0: Welcome to the Christ Community Church podcast. I am Ryan Balby, the interim teaching pastor, joined by I'm Blake Cox. I am the high school pastor. That's right, and we are here to dive into Sunday's sermon, which would have been Sunday, February twenty sixth, talking about the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter eleven, verses one through nine.
1: Yeah, it was. uh, It was fun. It was good. It made me laugh when you talked about, man, how easy it would have been just to have one language, especially in high school, right? Yeah. I was in a Spanish 2 class, and I brutally failed that class. I had to retake Spanish 2 as well, Blake. I don't know if you had to retake it, but I had to retake it. I didn't retake it.
0: Okay. Well, I did. Um, And then I went on to Spanish 3, and I aced that. So Really? Yeah. Expert. Expert in Spanish. Not really. But yeah, I mean, there are times where it seems like, hey, common language would be good. Yeah. But
1: there's a reason why we don't have it. That's right. Um, so we're, we're looking at this story today and uh, about these people that build this tower to try and reach the heavens. And my takeaway from your message on Sunday was these people wanted to be God. They didn't want to submit to him. They, they wanted to be God and, and God scattered them.
0: Yeah, they certainly want his glory. I, I mean, this is a story about pride. As a matter of fact, like the word Babel uh, that we see as Babylon is oftentimes when you talk about Babylon, you're talking about a place of great pride. And we see that throughout scripture, that Babylon is this place of pride. It's this place of, I'm going to do things my way rather than God's way. I want to elevate myself rather than elevating God. And so really we see in this story, we see the exact opposite of what we're supposed to be doing. Right. We as God's image bearers are supposed to be pointing creation and pointing one another to God. And instead here in Babel, they want to point everyone to themselves. They want to build their own security, their own identity, their right. own glory. And you know, it's crazy when you think about it, like just literally you're coming off of Noah and the flood and and you're thinking this is this is his family just a couple generations down screwing it up again and they're messing it up and you're just like <laughs> guys global flood like wiped out the earth like God's judgment was there and you saw his mercy and his grace on the boat how are you not figuring this thing out and it just it's but it's it's what you know honestly it's what God says in um, Genesis I think it's chapter eight. At the very end is he's basically, as Noah has made a sacrifice to God and given him his offering, God uh, is pleased by that and says he's not going to destroy the earth again in that way. Right, And and essentially says, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil, and immediately we see, yep, Noah and his family quickly go downhill very quickly and there are no perfect people, and we are born into sin, and we are completely depraved. And uh, and you see the sin nature coming out on full display here in the story.
1: This got me thinking when you brought up the uh, the flood of Noah as well. Like, <clears throat> did they build this tower to try and like make sure they don't get flooded again (laughs) so let's get taller we can't get flooded again
0: just kidding that's definitely not a part of the biblical story just they want to just climb to the top when the flood starts (laughs) rising that's right yeah because it came over all the mountains but surely their tower is big enough it's big enough but it is i mean it is kind of that like it's that same level of foolishness though i mean they didn't do it to survive a flood but it is that same level of foolishness that we can build something that is big enough that is great enough to be like god Hmm. and again you know we see a little a little bit later in the passage that God still has to step down. And so you see through the story, man's trying to build up. God has to come down. Like there's no tower big enough. There's no uh, amount of good deeds you can do to build yourself up. Like there's no way to possibly build yourself up to actually achieve God's
1: glory. Amen. That's true. This is e- even one of my questions. Uh, it came to mind as well. I just had a curiosity. Uh, was it a specific group of people that were in this tower and then they were looking down on others like was it a a position of power as well Mm uh you know
0: it, it doesn't really clarify who is building it says that people were moving eastward you have to assume it's a large group of the population that has done this and so they they may not be thinking about other people necessarily i mean they obviously understand that population is going to expand. There probably are other family members that are out there. Um, but I, I I don't know this is for them all to look down on someone else, because I think one of the, the crazy things about the story is that they are like the Tower of Babel is weird because you can read it and you can think, wait, what's wrong with that? Like they Aren't we supposed to have unity? They had unity. Like, aren't we supposed to build? And they're just building a tower. Like, what's what's wrong with building a tall tower? Is that is that sinful to do? Um, but I think what's happening here is that they're actually working together, which you think is good, but they're doing it for their own combined glory. And so oftentimes we think of pride in an individual way and we think, well you know, I can be prideful because I wanna lift myself up above you or above someone else. But this was a matter of like all the population agreeing together that we are going to elevate ourselves to God's level as humanity. Humanity is now going to be equal to God. Um, and you know, I think we, I think we see this in our, our culture for honest today, like because our culture is going further and further away from belief in God, what we're really doing is elevating ourselves saying, no, 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 we don't want to believe in a God that we have to submit to that has authority over us. So we'll sort of be our own God, uh, be the creators of our own universe and do what's best for us and live our best life. What's comfortable for us rather than submitting ourselves to an authority that is God's.
1: Yeah, I, I agree completely. We definitely see that in our culture happening today. Um, and even people working together to, like you said, build their own glory. You mentioned people moving eastward. And, and you said something in your sermon, you you focused on that word, they settled. Mm-hmm. You're pointing to the fact that it was actually leading to complacency and comfortability. Why is it that comfortability, we often view that as a good thing, but how can it be a distraction to us at the same time? Yeah, well,
0: you know, in this case, the the command was be fruitful and multiply, uh, increase upon the earth. So God's command was keep spreading out, like keep going. And so literally, they're they're settling for their own desires, their own ways, their own comfort, when God's command was no, 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 keep keep moving, right? Um, And actually what's interesting is we see the opposite when we'll talk about this next week. We see the opposite of this next week when Abraham is called to leave a place that actually was fairly comfortable, that was fairly advanced for their time. And he would go into no longer dwelling in a house that had stability and made of stone or whatever it was. He goes to live in tents, never really having a permanent home uh, on his own ever again. And so we see this... these stories in Genesis 11 and Genesis 12, contrasting one another that we're not supposed to live for our own comfort. I think the reality is, again, it just goes to, I know what my desires are. And so often we convince ourselves that God wouldn't want me to be unhappy. And, and I think there's, there's some truth to that, but like, but because God wants me, God wants what's best for me, he clearly wants what I believe is best for me, and what feels best for me, hmm. and, and so I think that comfort is what's right in front of us, and it's so easy to see and it's so easy to settle into because it's it, it's there and it's nice and it makes me happy and it's easy and it's simple and we just kind of we, what we do is we convince ourselves that this is this must be God's plan is for my comfort for my joy for my excitement. Um, and really, what we're doing so often is we're settling because God calls us to work. He calls us to build. And actually, you know, part of the part of the fall, part of the issue with sin, is that it's not going to be easy to do what we are called to do. Like, there's going to be some challenges in that. But still, the end, the end result, the end place is still worth it. And you look at Abraham. I mean, would he have been more comfortable? Would he had more worldly happiness if he had stayed? Maybe. Um, you know, and for the people building this tower, this may have provided them with excitement, with happiness, with, with comfort, but God called them to something else. And we have to trust that God's plan is better, even when it's harder, even when it's more difficult. But I mean, it just, it's so easy, Blake, like, like it's so easy to to do this, right? Like we do this in small ways and big ways all the time. You know, the example I used on Sunday is just thinking about like going to church. How many times do, do, do people wake up on a Sunday and it's like, I'm still tired. I'm just going to go back to sleep. Like yeah. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get to church next week or something else. Right. And and we miss out on what God has in store for us. So I just think comfort is, it's a temptation. Um, comfort is not always a bad thing, but comfort can become a sinful thing when we, when we idolize it, when we put it before God's plan.
1: Yeah. And like, there's so much to say when it comes to that topic of comfortability and I like how you said, you know, we we tend to take uh, church for granted, or it's not that big of a deal if I'm not in corporate worship. But if we like, if we truly understand the heart of the gospel and the heart of what Jesus wants for us, He wants us to actively and constantly be in community together. Mm-hmm. And He He even promises a life of uncomfortability. It's like you're gonna follow me, you're not gonna be comfortable. I promise you that. And when we realize that and actually uh, accept that, it, it's, it's interesting because we, we feel more satisfied. We're talking about feelings now. We feel more joy in our hearts and we, we go, okay, this isn't my plan anymore. This is, this is God. This is what he wants for us and, and we're going to follow him faithfully. So I'm glad that you covered that, that part of comfortability.
0: Yeah, by the, by the way, like the Bible tells us a lot, especially in the New Testament, there's going to be suffering for those who follow Christ. Like that is something that we have to endure and embrace. Um, but you look at what happens too when we when we settle for our own desires, when we settle for our own comfort, it leads us to disobedience. Like if it's not disobedience on the, on the surface, it's going to lead to greater disobedience. We see this with Babel. We see it with like... You know David David settled because he didn't wanna be where he was supposed to be, right? Like with the story with Bathsheba, he's supposed to be out at, at war with his people, leading the people as the king of Israel, as the king of God's people. And instead he settles for his own comfort right. and that leads him into sin. I mean, you think about Moses, like he didn't get into the promised land because he eventually settled for his own way, deciding, hey, I'm upset with the people and I don't wanna go talk to the rock like God has told me to do. And I'm gonna settle for doing what I've done before, what's familiar and he taps on the rock. And like, that's the sin that that causes him to miss out on, on entering into the promised land. I mean, you know, you think about Peter when he denies Christ three times, again, he's settling for his own sort of comfort and protection in this moment. and has to receive God's grace to like really be entered back into that, that family because he denied Christ three times. And so it, it's just so often we, we start with something very simple and we start with a, a very simple, like, eh, like, It's the same question the serpent was asking in in Genesis chapter 3, right? Is this really what God says? Does he really care about this? Does he really want you to have to do the hard work? Is it that big of a deal? Yeah, is it it that big of a deal, right? And, And so we convince ourselves that some of these commands in scripture or some of these things in scripture don't really matter that much. Like as long as I'm not murdering anyone, I'm good. Right. Right. Um, and so, you know, if I skip church every once in a while, because I just want to sleep in or watch a football game or whatever it is, like, that's fine. Like if I, you know, not spending time in prayer, it's not really that big of a deal because like, there's no, you know, direct command about how many, how much I need to be in prayer. Like we, we start doing all these things of, As long as, you know, I can settle a little bit. And then that leads us into greater disobedience.
1: Right. Like these are the lesser sins. These are the greater sins. I can commit the lesser sins because they're not that big of a deal. But the greater sins, I'm going to stay away from those. Yeah.
0: Which is funny because what we're committing is committing the sin of pride, which is a pretty big deal. Because again, we're actually literally breaking the first commandment, which is no other gods before me. We're making ourselves our own God and saying, "Uh, I'll adjust God's ways to be my ways so that i'm comfortable i'm happy and and clearly that's what god wants like right. what god most desires is my own comfort and happiness it's like no he has something better for you like you know th- there's reasons why we have verses like romans eight twenty eight that god works all things for the good of those who love him because scripture like because god knew when when he's he's directing the authors of scripture that being a follower of christ is not always going to be easy and so we have to find these verses because we have hope and knowing, yeah, there's going to be suffering, but there's also something better coming. And if we keep following God's plan, that's what's best for us. And so we have to keep that as a reminder that, yeah, there are times where it's gonna be uncomfortable, it's gonna be hard, it's gonna be challenging, but God's ways are better than mine.
1: Right, let's stay on that uh, idea of pride. Uh, Verse four says, then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city. When you were talking on Sunday, this is actually the first time I had ever heard that phrase as well. I've heard it before in the earlier Genesis series, but I didn't know there was a correlation with the language that these people were using to the language that God uses. Why is this so significant?
0: Yeah, I I, uh, I found this from Jen Wilkin, who's a, a great Bible study teacher, um, and and she pointed this out that this is you know. Th- Moses is authoring the book of Genesis, right? And and he's purposely directing our hearts to language that's going to sound familiar. And we think back to the creation story. God says, let us make man in our own image. And they're saying, hey, let us make our own tower. And so there's there's a now a human council where it started with a divine council. And and so it started with God leading and God creating and God building and God doing things his way. And now man is saying, let's do things our way for our name, for our glory. And so literally the language, and then we're going to see just in a couple of verses that God says, uh, basically says, come let us Stop this project that they're working on and let's do things our way again. And so we're meant to see a contrast between man's way and God's way. And again, having counsel with one another is fine. Like we we are supposed to have godly counsel with people. We're supposed to seek wisdom from one another. We're supposed to encourage and uplift, but we're pointing each other to Christ, not to our own glory. And so there's there's really fine lines. you got to do constant heart checks to say, Am I building my kingdom or am I building God's kingdom? Like, is this about me or is this about God? And here, this council met, which is not necessarily sinful in itself, but they met to lift themselves up and to lift humanity up into a place that is similar to God's place. And that is where it becomes sinful.
1: Right. So God sees that and then he enters in and it says that he comes down to see the city and the tower the people were building. And then he says, let's confuse her language. Let's, let's scatter them let's, or, or else it's going to harm them even more. Yeah. So this, I think it's easy to look at and go, why is God doing this? Does not he want unity? Does not he want us to be all together with the same language, same boys? But what he's getting at here is actually, no, to scatter is better in this case. But then you mentioned in Acts chapter two, how mm-hmm. God changing people's languages, giving them their own language. That they would be gathered again one day. Talk more about that correlation that you had with Acts two in this story. Yeah, it's interesting because you know we think of of
0: separation as a lack of unity, and that's not necessarily what's what's going on because God actually desired unity, but He also wanted people to go and spread out, and so there is a command, and, and we can take this into our context that. There is a biblical command for us to go and make disciples of all nations, right? That means that it doesn't mean that everyone has to go do global missions because the go is passive. The command is make disciples. But it does mean that we spread out into our communities, into places, and we spread the word of God and we see it growing. And and we are going to build people up to send them out as well. And so in this case, the separation was actually a good thing. It was an act of God's grace saying, hey, I called you to be fruitful. I called you to multiply. I called you to increase upon the earth. And you're living in sin and disobedience. In other words, you're walking away from God. And so God, by separating them allows them the opportunity to really draw back to him where together they were only going to build one another up and seek their own glory separate now they have to turn to god because they will realize their need for him Hmm. so this is an act of his grace but ultimately we see that even multiplied in in acts chapter 2 when we see um when we see the day of pentecost and the holy spirit comes and it tells us that there are people from all over with many different languages many different nationalities that came together and they're hearing the word of God proclaimed. And so in Acts chapter two, we see this reverse action of what's happening here in Genesis 11, where in Genesis 11, God is separating and confusing the language. And then in Acts chapter two, they're joined together for the one language. And the the idea that we need to understand is that God wants clarity when it comes to his message. But when it comes to sin, yeah, he doesn't want that heard. He doesn't want that message proclaimed. Mm-hmm. So he will confuse the language of sin, but he will clearly state the message of the gospel, the good news of his son, Jesus Christ. And so this is, this is the moment where they are able to speak with one voice clearly communicating that Jesus is Lord, that he came, that he died, he rose again, that he has ascended into heaven where he awaits for our uh, our arrival or waits till he will return. And, and in that way, like grace has been presented by Christ to say, hey, the message has always been meant to be communicated, but I need to make sure you're not communicating sin, but you're communicating Christ.
1: Man. That needs to be put on a shirt or the back of a book or something. You just dropped a bomb right there. God confuses the message of sin, but makes the gospel clear. Like holy smokes! I was sitting over here just going, "That is good." That was very well said, well, and basically the Bible.
0: So you know, <laughs> and
1: that is the truth. I think you were just articulating it in a great way.
0: Appreciate. That. Um,
1: So, yeah, I I, I agree completely with that. And and that's the truth. And, you know, it just it even makes me think, after we've heard the clarity of the gospel and we receive the grace of Christ and we become born again, as uh, the gospel talks about, sometimes we're even tempted to go back to live kind of this lifestyle of the Tower of Babel, where we're we're in this bubble, you know? Oh, Yeah. And I think that's what kind of what you were getting at there of God will even scatter us as the church and he does quite yeah. often. Yeah. I mean, he, here's, here's the problem, right? Is that we, we fall into these same
0: patterns over and over and over again. I mean, you look at so Genesis one and two, God creates, everything is good. Genesis three, you have the fall and it starts with this moment of like pride as well as like the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. And, and then, and then you see that's kind of gets into worse sin. Then Noah starts a new beginning. Like they're entering back into sort of like a new Eden kind of thing. And, and in that moment, um, you, you think everything's going to go well. Then we have here, Genesis 11. It's like right back to Genesis 3, where sin is being committed for the same reasons. I want to be like God. So now as followers of Christ, we are a new creation. We have a new beginning as followers of Christ. And yet we find ourselves getting into the same places where we again are trying to live for our own pride, our own glory. And in some ways we sometimes collaborate together to do this. Like the the church sometimes, you know, you can, you can do the right thing for the wrong reasons and it becomes the wrong thing. And so there's times where the church, the church needs to gather. We already talked about that. Like it is important for the church to gather together, uh, for Christians to be meeting together on a regular basis. But when the church meets together and doesn't live out its mission to go and make disciples, ignoring the outside world, then all we're doing is forming a holy huddle, right? And, and if you're in sports and you are in the huddle and you never break out, you're not going to accomplish anything. Like you can have the best game plan. You can be as prepared as you possibly can be. You're going to lose the game because you never broke out of the huddle. Right. And so you have to break out and, and, and do what God has called you to do. So when we just isolate ourselves from the outside world, we're doing what they were doing in Babel. But the other thing too is when we again live for our own glory, and we have to constantly, we just have to constantly check our hearts. Like, right. why are we doing the things that we're doing? Is it just to lift us up, or is it to prepare our hearts to know God and to know what He desires for, us so that we can actually go and and do what He's called us to do? And so we have to do constant heart checks of of our meetings, of our gatherings. Um, are they are they building us up to to elevate ourselves, or are they building us up so that we can? go and live out the mission that God has in store for us.
1: Right. And that's why little, little plug here, but that's why I love the mission trip so much because you get a a bunch of students Mm -hmm. who have their, their norms and they have their routines and whatnot. And then you throw them on a mission trip and everything gets mixed up. You get, you get put in these rougher neighborhoods where you're, you're finding individuals where, uh, they're going through a hard time. I remember uh, last mission trip when we were down in Fresno, we, we had a group of us that went out and there was this lady who had just lost her husband um, and it was, in a, it was in a rougher neighborhood and we all just gathered around her and placed hands on her and prayed for her. And it was a moment that was just incredible because it speaks to that truth that we need to constantly, constantly be living life on mission. And not just staying in that holy huddle like you were talking about. But taking that holy huddle and, and spreading that holiness in the world. And so a uh, little plug there for
0: for youth ministry. No, it's great. I got you. Uh, if you have a student, junior high high school, middle school or high school, get them on the mission trip. Come on. But I mean, we should all be doing missions work, right? We should be doing this in our regular day-to-day basis. The, the joy about like a short-term mission trip is you get to experience this in a, a small quick setting where it's like, oh, I can do this all the time, right? Like, like yes, we, we build up and then we send out. And so you see this like, that's actually what we're supposed to be doing in our daily life. Like when you go to work when you go to school when you are with your family like whatever you're doing like that's supposed to be the 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 send out right And so that like hey we come to church on a Sunday we do bible studies we are in you know in discipleship or in small groups like all these things so that we know the word we know who God is we know his plan his desires for us and then we go into our our daily lives we go into the mission field which is our normal lives. Like our normal lives is a mission field. And if we can flip that switch, we're gonna be better for it and the kingdom is gonna be better for it. Because if we walk into a Monday at work and say, hey, I'm on a mission trip right now, it changes our mentality. And so we can do this on short-term, but we really need to do this long-term is to have that mindset of saying, hey, we've been called to make disciples. And that's a call that exists every single day, um, you know, Seven days a week, three hundred sixty-five days a year. Like that is our our mission, and so short-term mission trips help us see what we need to be doing on a regular basis.
1: Yeah, um, we're running out of time here, and uh, I want to close on this idea. If you can, just help all the listeners. Uh, we, we've been talking about this whole story, this uh, this podcast. And we've brought up the idea of continuing to build build God's kingdom. If you were to get practical with us, how can we continue to practically build God's kingdom?
0: Yeah, so I think that first, and, and I'll say this part, first, it does start with your relationship with God. Like you need to make sure that you are centered on him. He needs to be the king of your life, the Lord of your heart. So you need to make sure that you are submitting to his authority, that you are spending time in his word so that you're not just living based on your own ideas of God, but you know the truth that God has in store for you, who he really is and what he really desires. You need to be in Christian community so that your ideas can be challenged, encouraged in the right way. because you know, if we are left on our own, oftentimes we can, again, make God into our own, like we can make ourselves into God. So it starts with building God's kingdom in our own heart. Hmm. But then the second part is to recognize that the call is, and we're gonna get into this really in, in next week's message with Abraham, that the call as as a member of God's family is to go into the world and to make disciples, and so we need to yes be be building the church. So building into our brothers and sisters in Christ, encouraging them, challenging them, discipling them, um, helping to you know pray for them, all that. But then we also need to be stepping into spaces which it shouldn't be hard for the most part right you go to work you go into your your neighborhood i mean typically you're in spaces that are not like 100 christian and and we need to be demonstrating the love acceptance forgiveness of jesus christ in those spaces right. we need to be having yeah. conversations with people and, and it doesn't mean you have to like go to everyone and just be like you know gospel message gospel message gospel message but it means you need to go and demonstrate love mm-hmm. and then ask questions hey what do you believe about about jesus what do you believe about faith and start to invite them into conversations where they can share their thoughts and then that might give you an ability to just ask questions to challenge their thinking or to actually speak the gospel to them but you know i've been challenged over the last couple of weeks of like i'm in some some non-christian settings but i'm trying to think like you know sometimes i've got the the love portion down and and i'm trying to be an example but I don't take that next step of proclaiming truth or inviting to church. It's like, when's the last time you invited someone to church? When's the last time you shared the gospel message with someone? Because if we aren't doing that on at least a somewhat regular basis, then we're not living into our our kingdom calling and, and our calling to go and share the gospel. So we need to be, yeah, building God's kingdom in our heart building up our brothers and sisters, build up God's family. And then we need to actually be going into these spaces and demonstrating Jesus to
1: people. Yeah. And <clears throat> that's our prayer for all of us that, like Paul says, uh, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. And um, that's our prayer for you. Uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're glad you were able to join us this time around. Uh, I'm excited, looking forward to The story of Abraham. Yeah,
0: Father Abraham had many sons. (laughs) Yes, he (laughs) did. Many sons had Father Abraham. Next week, come on Sunday.
1: Talking about covenant and everything in, in regards to that. So awesome. Well, great. We'll see you on Sunday. See you on Sunday. Thanks, guys.